0: Well, good morning again. <laughs> well, good morning again. No. <laughs> I love you guys. Do what? Talking about what? Bibles? We have Bibles here. If you don't have a Bible, you want to follow along with the teaching this morning, just raise your hand and we'll get a Bible right to your seat so you can follow along with us. Uh, as I shared earlier, we had uh, a wedding yesterday from, from Laura, and uh, I was not um, really wanting to teach today because it's all going on. I'm thinking, you don't want me to come up and teach today, because I don't have to teach on patience, because <laughs> <laughs> it's what the Lord had taught me through this whole thing, and so... Um, but anyway, you, you guys have had, you guys, most of you, if you've been here a while, you know that Pastor Dennis Davenport from Calvary Chapel, the High Desert, he's been a friend of mine for a long, long time. It's Just just a great close friend and, and his wife Donna as well. And so I asked Dennis to come out to do the part of giving away the bride because I don't want to kind of do both things where, you know, okay, who gives this woman to be this man's bride? Her mother and I do. Okay, You know, it just would have been awkward. And so <laughs> Pastor Dennis came out and he did a great job. He did a little a welcoming thing. It was just it was just awesome. And, and then he snuck out the side door and it was gone. It was like that was it <laughs> literally at the door outside. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, and so he's here uh, just to share with us this morning. And, and, and let me tell you, I mean, I shared this first service. I've never sat, I mean, I've sat under Pastor Dennis's teaching for a number of years. And I've never been, there uh, was never a time where the Lord did not speak to me. Every single time, through the word that God's given Pastor Dennis, to, it's, it's touched my heart. And this morning is no exception. I was here first service, sat in, and uh, totally blessed totally encouraged, and you guys will be too. So if you would welcome uh, my pastor, my friend, Pastor Dennis.
1: Well, thank you, Tom. And uh, I, you know, I I was very, I think it went well yesterday. I I was good at saying, who gives this woman to be married to this man? That was my big role in the wedding. It was huge, I mean, and, and then, and then, uh, it was interesting, just I've never done that before I snuck out the side door after saying that, because usually I'm doing the wedding, you know, following. So it was a little strange to me, but uh, it was a beautiful wedding. We had a great time and, uh, and um, just continuing to pray for Laura and her new husband, that they will be blessed on their honeymoon. And while they're on their honeymoon, we're going to get into the Word of God. Okay, so I want you to get out your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Always great to be here. And, uh, you know, the great thing about being here for me, uh, from the high desert of Southern California, is, you know what? You guys don't need no moisturizer here. I've noticed that. Have you noticed that? I was wondering, how, how many of you are, like, native Missourians? Uh, raise your hands. Any, any, any that were born here? Come on, don't be ashamed. Come on, be proud. I'm Missouri proud. I was raised here. I was... OK, let me ask you a question. And, and, and do you ever get used to the humidity? I you know, in Southern California, I turned on my when I got here the other day, I turned on the air conditioner in the car. And 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 it wasn't long. Somebody had pointed the vent towards the passenger window. I got to rent a car. So the vents pointed towards the passenger window. And I've never seen this before in my life. I'm a California boy most of the time. So I've never seen this where the window, the passenger window, got condensation on it with the air conditioner on. That never happens in the high desert of Southern California. I mean, never. It's it's not something that, you know, and moisturizers probably don't sell out here at all because you don't need them. My skin has yet to be dry out here. So the great thing is, is, you know, we have to do facelifts and get rid of the wrinkles in Southern California. You guys don't have to worry about that so much. You know, it's just uh, it's just kind of God's automatic like like. When, when we walked outside yesterday, I have this full suit on, okay? And so we had to walk out in order to walk down the aisle. So, so we're walking out of this building, this church, and, and standing outside. And I felt like I had just walked into the shower with, you know, with somebody who was in the shower room and just, I'm in my full suit in the steam room, uh, you know, and it was, it was hot. I mean, so sweat is something that you guys, you know, your pores are always clean. Just think of all the benefits of living in this climate. OK, so anyhow, I'm trying to help you with that. So uh, but I, I really do love it back here. I think it's beautiful. The green is just to, from a desert guy that there's just various shades of brown to see this kind of green. And and the various shades of green is awesome. And, and I just I, I think of the lo- mowing the lawn when I was. When I was a little kid, I lived in Pennsylvania. You know, you got to Do you still have to do that? You have to fit in the lawn mowing in between rainstorms and and then bagging the grass. I mean, do you guys bag the grass? See, see, in California, you can do that here because just like when I was a kid, there'd be clumps, you know, of grass. You, you, forget the bag. It would just be weighty and full. So did any of you bag grass? Well, you, no, see, I, I didn't think so. Anyhow, so much for that. You didn't come to hear about my escapades or my experiences here. We came to study God's word. so let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can gather as your people into this place. I thank you for this precious body of believers here that you have set here, Lord, in this area to, Lord, share your love and to show your life and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only by the things that we say, but by the way that we obey and live our lives. And so, Lord, I pray today as we open your word, Lord, you know the needs here. You know the struggles, you know the unspoken uh, hurts and pains, Lord, and and the difficulties that uh, some are facing. You know the joys that others are experiencing, Lord. I pray that by your spirit, as you are the I am, whatever we need, you are, Lord, that you would meet each need here today in a powerful way, Lord. And I pray if there's anyone here who has not yet given their lives to You, Lord, that the day that they might come and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they might leave here changed men and women with their sins forgiven, born again, and the hope of heaven. So, Lord, speak to us now in this time by Your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Part of my message is discouragement, its cause, and its cure. You know, the reason that this was laid on my heart is, well, you remember, you know, last weekend wasn't a good weekend in this country. As there were two mass murders in the last week, if you add Gilroy, California, which I've driven through many times up the 99, it's the garlic capital of the world. You can actually smell garlic when you drive through the place. And the, the tragedy there where there's there's these just random, crazy shootings, just into a crowd of people for no apparent, you know, uh, motive uh, other than just uh, to get their names, uh, you know, in the papers or whatever. I mean, and 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 we look at this, and and then and then add to that the confusion that's coming in. I mean, you look at a a generation, and, and when I was a kid. You know, in my 20s and 30s, there were males and females. And that's all. You, If you want to Google it, go ahead. Google genders. Uh, How many genders are there today? 52 was the last number that I looked at. People are confused. They don't know what, you know, which ends up, and, 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 and we're making it, it's not getting better, it's actually getting cloudier as time passes. They, they don't know what they believe anymore. They, they don't know what's right and, and wrong anymore. And, and as a result, if you sit and watch the news for any amount of time, especially if you're a Christian, it can be discouraging. I mean, forget the old song, Home, home on the range where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word. No, it's gone too frequently is heard a discouraging word. And and, and, and the media is full of it. And, and people are impacted by it. You see, it's, it's a tough time that, that we're living in. And we've all faced that problem. You know, you've been discouraged. Personally, you you thought things were going to go one way in a given situation, and man, everything blew up and made a mess. You see, those situations at times when we're in those places, they can knock the wind right out of you, and, and, you know, the confidence, and and leave you feeling down and, and depressed. You see and, and there's nothing like dealing with the problem of discouragement especially yeah it happens to Christians and it happens to pastors did you know that pastors get discouraged at times in fact just about every uh Monday morning I go you know or a Sunday rather after Sunday in the evening I go uh you know what I should probably quit you know I mean get out of the way and let some younger guy get in the pulpit and just knock this stuff off and, and get somebody that could do a better job. Discouragement. Things don't go the way that we hope they would and thought they should. And, and the numbers, you know, we, we play the numbers game a lot. Numbers are big. You're successful. Numbers are small. Be it financially, be it in the size of your ministry. And, and we get this mentality that can really be discouraging at times if things trend down rather than up. You see, it's not ungodly to experience discouragement. Very godly men have been in that place, one that we are looking at in our time together today, who I appreciate. I've taught this book of Nehemiah several times. I love Nehemiah. I love the man. He's a great, godly, amazing man. And He was given a task by God to build a wall. Now, that doesn't seem like a very complicated task, but it turned into a substantial problem. I found, in fact, whenever a contractor comes out to the church to give me a bid for anything, I, I, there's, you know, non-believers, we, we hire, you know, whoever gives me the good bid, but I always tell them and remind them, and especially the non-believers, I warn them, remember now, you're building a church project, you're, you're doing something for the church of God, I guarantee you, you better build a little bit of extra in it, because whenever you do anything that is building and furthering the kingdom of God and blessing God's people, guess what? You're going to run into problems. You're going to run into more problems than on a normal job. Why? Because there's a real enemy who really hates anything that would bring glory to God. You see, there's real evil in the world. We're seeing that increasingly. Well, here Nehemiah is building this wall. And the cause of discouragement here, I mean, a little background to set the scene to put you in the sandals of those who were here and uh, on the ground with with boots on the ground, if you would. Uh, since 586 B.C., when the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom of Judah and took the children of God, the, the people of God, into captivity because of their rebellion. Judah's, uh, Jerusalem's walls, the, the city that God had, had ordained to be a place where God's people gathered to bring God glory, to spread out into the world. Well, because of the rebellion against God, they were taken into captivity, and the city was destroyed, the walls were torn down and in ruin. Well, 142 years later, Judah, which by the way, the tribe of Judah means praise, was beginning to dust herself off after her great spiritual fall, and they were getting ready to start walking with God again. God, you see, wanted Nehemiah. He assigned him the task of the rebuilding of the wall around this city of Jerusalem thus providing protection for the people of God to serve God and worship God there in the temple that would be surrounded by this wall. That wall was to be a testimony, hey, God's people are back and God is on the move again and doing a work. Well, the enemy isn't going to sit by and do nothing whenever God's people rise up To build and set things right in their life. He brought repeated threats and criticism. And he did it from the outside initially. First it was just Sambalat and Tobiah. They threatened. Hey, try to get them to fear. To stop this wall from being rebuilt. If you read earlier there in chapter 4. When you get down Uh, to uh, chapter 4 here in in verse um, 8. It says here, now it happened when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, it started out with just Sambalat and Tobiah. Now others have joined in. And and these others, they heard the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. And they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and do what? Create confusion. That's what the enemy wants to do among us as God's people. That's what he's doing in this country, creating confusion and havoc. And he's carrying his placards and his signs and, and he's got the media pumping it out, you see. And, and confusion to, to try and, and keep people from a clarity of, of what God has called us to do and, and, and what God has called us to be. That is happening in, in a massive way today. That's the attacks from the outside. From the media and from the mockers. The blasphemers. The atheists. Well, Nehemiah prayed through that in verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Hey, we're going we're to pray and we're going to watch and be alert. As to what God wants and where these guys are at and what they're doing, we're going to pay attention. But then... Then something happened to Nehemiah that, that is a little rougher than the tax from the outside. What do we see here? Well, look, we see in verse 10, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, "They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease." What's happening? Well, it's not from the outside anymore that the attack is coming. It's from the inside, from the people who, who, you know, were God's people who who were working on this wall and they had gotten together to, to do the work and, and, and then it was moving along and the gaps were beginning to be closed. And now, suddenly, the people who were busy are distracted, you see, and the work has ceased. The rebuilding has stopped. The cause, well, a loss of strength or fatigue. It says that the these people were uh, the, the strength of the labors is failing and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build. There's no more strength. Have you, have you ever found yourself where I just don't have the strength to get up? I don't feel like I can make it through. Have you ever been there? you just you you're just stumbling and and staggering under under the load and and uh, and you're struggling you see in their rush to get this wall finished they were making great progress but they had failed to protect themselves from the enemies within so exhaustion and discouragement set in they started strong but were too tired to finish so there's a loss of strength there's also A loss of vision. You note there, it says, there is so much rubbish in verse 10 that we are not able to build the wall. You ever struggled with that? Look around at the rubbish in your life and and the garbage and... And kind of where you've been and what's going on and you, 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 you're struggling, you know, I mean, you've got your eyes on, 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 on the rubbish and the trash and the garbage. And at one time you could see, you know, a clear to, to continue. But but recently, you know what? Uh, things are just stacking up and it, it seems like you're not going to be able to make it through. That you'll never be able to complete the task. And the result is a loss of confidence. What do they say? There in verse 10 again, we are not able to build the wall. They're not able. No longer any confidence. In in, in verse 6 of this same chapter, you see that uh, it began with the people had a mind to work. But guess what? As time passed, They began to lose hope, obviously. Their confidence now gone. They don't feel the, you know, the spirit, if you would, and and just the the motivation to, to move ahead. They were in a place where they didn't feel that they would finish the task. I know a lot of us have probably been there. We go there from time to time. How many of you have projects around the house that you started and you're going, we're going to do this. And then you got halfway through and to this day they're not quite done and you're going to get around to it. Someday I'll get that taken care of. Maybe next week. Maybe next month. Maybe next year. And your wife, guys, is going, no, we need to do it now. But you're going... I know, the, I know the, the routine because I'm there. Um, but you know what? It's just, you, you, you get them started and, and you really have every motivation and intention of finishing. But you don't finish. They're left undone. You get discouraged in the process. Things happen that would make, uh, even provide a legitimate distraction and see these guys are struggling from that very with that very same thing then we see a loss of security you see the jews had enemies who didn't want to see them rebuild the wall and they didn't keep their protest secret they were they were haters haters are going to hate 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 you know i mean that's that's what these guys were they were haters and if they if they had their haters in Nehemiah's day, it should not surprise us that we today have people that as Christians and we stand for Christ and we believe in what God's word teaches as far as right from wrong and that kind of a thing. And 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 what sin is and, and what needs to be valued in life and the priorities when we stand on those things, we should not be surprised that we have haters as well. And so the people here that were building this wall had to place each brick and at the same time they had to keep an eye out not knowing from moment to moment whether they might be attacked or not. You see, there were terrorists in that day and there are still terrorists in this day. And the fear of course, can be discouraging. I mean, the fear of criticism. What will people think if I do what God wants me to do, if I stand for what God's Word says is right? What will they think? What, what... You know, uh, as far as fear goes, what if I, what if I can't handle it? What, what if I, you know, get in this place where I step into ministry, I, I step into an opportunity and take on the responsibility and I can't handle it? What if, what if I fail? What if I blow it? Or maybe you have failed and you're feeling frustrated. So what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves, when we find our families, when we're there personally down in the dumps and and sinfully depressed and and discouraged? Well, good news, if you've been there or if you're living there presently. Guess what? I got a word for you. It's time to pack up and move out. It's time to pack up and move out. But how, you ask? Well, let's look at our text here and see how Nehemiah did it. And he provides us five things, you see, that are going to bring these people from that place of discouragement to strength again. And they'll move from where the work was stopped and move in to a course of action. So what did he do? He said, so it was In verse 12, when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, because of the attacks, because of the assaults of the enemy, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set people according to their families with their swords, their spears and their bows. What what do we see here? Well, Nehemiah saw that one of the problems is, one of the basic units of encouragement is the family. And the family had been broken up. Uh, They were having relatives work at different places on the wall and and that the scattering, he saw that the scattering of this work was uh, counterproductive. Listen, here's the deal. If you're going to lead If you're going to be one who is going to have uh, victory over discouragement, you need to recognize the priority of family. I, uh, personally can tell you that if, if you're not right and things aren't right at home, the Bible says you have no, you have no place in leadership if things aren't right in your household as we lay out the requirements for elders and for deacons, for leaders, for ministers. You're not going to be effective in preaching the gospel or reaching the people with a message of Jesus Christ if you are not right with your family. I I have, I can tell you, to my shame a personal experience, I have, uh, you know, my wife and I, we we I I'm a pastor, but we have disagreements. Uh you know, minimal, of course, I'm a pastor. We yeah. never really anything heated, of course, it just minor, very kindly spoken disagreements. And you're laughing and you should be laughing. Because the reality is is we've had some very heated disagreements. In the early days, you see, we well, we were oblivious to the fact that I was going to preach on Sunday and the attacks would always come on Saturday and we'd get in a fight. And 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 so we learned over the years that yeah we got to guard these Saturdays. But you know what? You never reach a place where you have it down. And I'm telling you, maybe, maybe about a year ago, my wife may say it's a little sooner. She's always more accurate on the dates and times than I am. But, but I, you know, we, we had lost that kind of perspective and well, it was Saturday evening and we had a heated disagreement. And This heated disagreement was not resolved before we went to bed. And the next morning, there were some words said that did not resolve it, but brought a little more tension to it. I know that you've never had that, but, but I did. And, and so I'm, I'm going, well, I gotta get to church. I gotta, I gotta preach. And so I'm driving to church. and The Lord's going, hey, Dennis. What do you call your wife. Why? Because you need to you need to let her know you're sorry and, and ask for forgiveness. And, uh, Lord, you know what? I do that, but I wasn't wrong. You see, I, she should have. And 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 so here I am talking to God, you know. And, like, uh, God's speaking to me and says, you know what, you can make all the excuses you want, but you need to do what needs to get done here, and you need to make things right with your wife. I will, Lord, after service. So I go up to my office, you know, I pray, and the worship team goes out. I go up to my office to kind of glance over my notes one more time before I go to preach. While I'm glancing over my notes... I'm arguing with God. Have you ever had an argument with God and God finally goes, OK, I'm not going to say anything more to you until you do what I've asked you to do. You ever had that? Now, hopefully none of you are quite as stubborn as I am. But I, I was just, ah, Lord, she's wrong. And so it's the last worship song. And. I'm always in this place where before I go out every service, I say, Lord, I'm about to do the impossible without you. I cannot do what you've called me to do without you going before me. And so I'm in that mode because I know I'm going to say that before I go out. It's always my prayer. And God goes, so you're really going to go out without me? What do you mean without you? Uh, Are you going to go out there and preach without things being right with your wife? And I got at the phone and I called my wife. I said, "Hun, i I'm sorry. I I can't go out there and talk to these people about God and His love and His grace and His mercy and not extend it and, and just have things wrong with you. So I ask you to forgive me. I was, I was wrong. You're right. You know what? I mean, I, I just need you to pray for me that God will help me with this and in the future that I'll do better with this. And, and you know what? It changed everything. I could go out there in confidence. Things need to be right at home if you're going to serve the Lord. You got to be united at home. That doesn't mean, and that's why you get the attacks, you see, at home. On, on Saturdays, if you if you're serving the Lord at all, you ought to figure that that's pretty much going to be par for the course. And, and then Saturday nights, especially because, you know what, uh, you need to get to bed so you're ready for Sunday and there's a spiritual war going on. And and man, things need to be right with family. So that's what Nehemiah did. He brought these people together. He set them, you see, close to one another and their family to work together and and center them around a common goal. Hey, let's build this part of our wall where we live and, and, and make it good, you know. That's what we all need to do with our families. With the church body. We're together. So he, 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 he unified uh, these people around the same goal. Secondly, he directed their attention to the Lord. And that's key. It says here in verse 14, and I looked and, and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. Hey, guys, Remember. Think back. Remember when we first started this wall? Remember who it was that called us? Remember who it is that we are building this wall for? It is the great and awesome God. That's Him. He's, he's a great God. He's not just an okay God. He's an awesome God. He's not just a cool God. He is mighty. He is sovereign. He is commissioned and called us. Don't forget why we're doing what we're doing and who we're doing it for. We are not doing it just for us. We're not doing it to press, impress other people. We are doing it because God has called us. Stay at it. You see, that's important. Remember the Lord's. He saw the fear in the eyes of these people because of the attacks and the threats of the enemy and he saw the priority of getting their eyes back on the Lord. There's a song, uh, I don't, I don't remember if it was from Salty or Veggie Tales. I think it was from Veggie Tales. I had five kids and so I learned a lot of Song Salty and uh, Colby and the singing song, you know, the songbook and the computer rather. And Salty was the singing songbook. But but there was a song that God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. God is bigger than the boogeyman and he watches out for you and me. So, you know what, man, whenever my kids were afraid, I'd point them to God. I take them in the scriptures. Point them to God. Don't be afraid. Fear not. There's so many fear nots in the Bible. And, and remind them. Point their attention to God. The focus. Get them off the debris. Get, to, get the focus off the enemy. I know it's hard when you got media flying at you and information flying at you a hundred miles an hour through every vehicle possible with these screens. we all got a screen probably with us right now. And you get real time information and it's coming and you can, you can get your eyes so focused on that. It's that just God will, is there any hope? You see, that's where Nehemiah said, remember, is get your eyes off the trash. Yeah, you don't got it together and, and you're not going to have it perfectly together this side of heaven, but you're, you know what, there is somebody that is together that will take you there and that's Jesus. You see, so, 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 If we don't do that, if we don't remember why we do what we do and who it is that we do it for, then there will be no progress in your life as a Christian. Why are you doing it? Hopefully you're not doing it just to enforce morality or to get elected your political party. Hopefully you're doing what you do because God has called you to do it. Thirdly, He encouraged them to maintain balance. Here in verse 15, it says, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing. It says that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his own work. And so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears and the shields and the bows and wore armor and the leaders were behind the house, all the house rather, of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried the burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held the weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. You see, when we're discouraged, it's easy to get caught up in mood swings. What Nehemiah did here is he encouraged them to maintain a balance. Okay? A oh, sword in one hand, a trowel in the other. There's a battle to be fought, but there's a building to be done. We need to do both. We need to keep that balance going on. During the times of discouragement, it's important for us to refocus our attention on the Lord and and meditate on His promises and, and memorize His word, reflecting on His character as well as recognizing that this battle is not going to cease until we get to heaven. I thought by 67, which I am now, I thought I'd be done pretty much sinning. Can I tell you? Man, the flesh is a stinking flesh, and and no matter what, the battle continues to rage. We've got to be prepared. We've got to have the word in hand, the sword in hand and the trial and build that life and encouragement in the lives of others. You see, Uh, psalmist in Psalm uh, 46, verse 10, uh, speaking of the Lord, it says here, I'm going to start reading verse eight, come and see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes war to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns a shield with fire. Hey, guess what? That's telling you. God's in control. And man, if he declares war on you, guess what? Uh, You're gone. You don't want God to declare war on you. You see, when he, when he though snaps the, the spear of the enemy and breaks the bow, he, he's got the power to do that as well. And then the psalmist writes, very important verse for us to memorize. You don't already have it memorized. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored among every nation and throughout the worlds. You see, the Lord, the psalmist writes, of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Nehemiah had those who concentrated on building the wall and those who concentrated, you know, on on protecting those that were building. There was that beautiful balance that was, was brought among the people. Uh, Fourthly, he provided a rallying point. There, in verse nineteen, it says, "Then I said to the nobles, note the leaders, these are to you men who are fathers, to you who are." Uh, spiritual leaders. Uh, then I said to the nobles, the rulers, ladies, uh, you know, uh, in your home with the children, uh, listen, uh, he, he speaks to them directly and then to the rest of the people, you see. And he says, the work is great and extensive and we are all separated far from one another on the wall. So wherever you hear the sound of a trumpet, rally to us there and our God will fight for us. We're separated on the wall. you know what that's what the enemy tries to do is to keep us separated. Nehemiah said, okay, we, we, we can't all live in a, a commune type of a thing, but but listen, when we are separated, when we're out there in the day-to-day life, just doing life, listen, don't forget. There's an opportunity here. God has provided for you some protection. And when you're going through and in a difficult situation, you see, and, and struggling with maybe a certain temptation and, and, and beginning to experience any kind of depression, guess what? Sound the trumpet. Okay? Sound the trumpet. And, and we'll come over there to your place and will help you. man, that's so important. Notice here there's a, a, a rallying that, that uh, Nehemiah encourages and it's a place. There's, there's a place. Nehemiah knew the enemy could attack at any time and in any place. And the people needed to know that if one section of the wall was being attacked, that others would come to their aid and that they wouldn't have to fight alone. Thank God for this place that we can come together and assemble together and hang out with one another. Spending time, uh, getting to know one another, and, and encouraging one another, and just just being together. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. To come together like this in this place, this this building is not the church. You are the church. When you're here, this is just an empty building. I've sat in ours many times, going, "It's just an empty building. It's nothing." Until God's people come. And we come and we gather together. A reminder that God has called us to do so. Not to forsake the fellowshipping, the gathering together of the saints as the matter of some is. And so much more as you see the day approaching. There's a greater temptation to forsake it and watch this. uh, You know, you can watch many of them on the screen nowadays. And so people just stay home and watch church on the screen. They miss out. And I believe that unless they're disabled and not able to get here for some reason, and I mean really not able, that they're missing out on a tremendous blessing and they're, they're disobeying what God has called us to do. We are to gather together so that as we gather, we're reminded just being here that we're not alone in this battle that we are facing we're not alone in the criticisms and the mocking and, and, and the media's hating a type of speech that goes out. We're not alone. So it's a place. But it's also involved a principle. You see, Nehemiah strengthened these people's faith in God by reminding them that he would be fighting alongside of them. It says, so we labored in the work. He says that you, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, verse 20, uh, rally to us there. Guess what? Nehemiah was a true pastor. He's fighting alongside his men. He's not just a guy that showed up to teach and then, boom, he's gone. He's with them in the trenches. He's encouraging them and and helping them and and he's holding a sword along with them and he's helping them lay the bricks, it says. And so they carried on the work and they labored in the work and half of the men held spears, verse 21, from daybreak until the stars appeared. And then he says, here, at that same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. We're laboring together in this alongside one another, and then he says." And I, so neither I nor my brother nor my servants, in verse 23, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except everyone took them off for washing. Nehemiah creates a buddy system. Not only getting together, you know, when the fight's on, but day by day, just having that connection with one another. You know what men? Often, I will ask uh when a husband and wife come in for counseling. I'll ask uh the the woman, hey, do you have uh Christian friends? Oh yeah, I have this ladies and this lady and this lady she prays with me and she's my prayer partner and we talk and hang out and they do. I'll ask the guy, hey, do you have any friends? Yeah, I got my buddies from the shop, you know, a bunch of heathens and and I got my buddies, you know, that I used to know from high school, uh, a bunch of heathens and 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 He's wondering, what's wrong? Is anything wrong with that? Not necessarily, but, but listen, men, we need, we need to have the humility and set aside our pride to recognize, I know we, John Wayne, I can do it. Uh, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. I can handle it. I'm tough. I'm rough. I'm a man. Uh, yeah, you're a man with a need. And that need is, you need another brother. You need somebody in your life. I hope every one of you, and if you don't have somebody that you can talk to when you're struggling, when you're going through a uh, difficulty, the enemy is attacking, attacking you and, and uh, hey, how's it going? Do you have anybody in your life, man, that will ask you, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing fine, man. I'm going here. I'm going there. i am I got this project. I'm doing. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How are you doing spiritually? Where are you at with the Lord? How is your life devotionally? What have you been reading in the Bible recently? Hey, is there anything I can pray for, you see? Uh, we we need men to be uh, those that have the humility and and put ourselves in a place where when we are being attacked and when things happen that where life is falling apart and we uh, are discouraged, that we don't put on the show in the outward form, that we are honest and say, man, I'm struggling. I'm struggling big time in my marriage with this temptation, that temptation. I'm going through this situation in my job. I haven't been in my Bible for a week now. Do you have somebody like that, man? Buddy. Friend, a real friend. The Bible says we are to do what? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ you have a brother that, that you're confident, that you're comfortable with saying, you know what, man, I ain't doing good right now. When's the last time you actually made that statement? I'm not doing good right now. And so many times, hey, how are you doing? Oh, praise the Lord, I'm doing, doing great. Not really. But you're not going to tell anybody that. And I don't think, listen, I don't think that you have to tell that to everybody, but you ought to have someone the man when the battle ensues and the heat is on that you can say I'm sounding the trumpet I need you to come over right now I need you to pray for me not unspiritual the man after God's own heart David when he was pursued by King Saul he had a friend it was Saul's son his name Jonathan had a close friendship they shared their hearts one with the other. You know, David didn't get in trouble in that day. He was attacked. He was going through tough times. But he didn't get in trouble that day. You know what he got in trouble? When he was about 50. Not when he was a young man. When he was an old man and he had some extra time on his hand. He'd retired, if you would, from going to battle that day. He was out on his uh, porch, you see. And Sheba was taking a bath. And he took a bath. You see, he didn't have the men around. They were all out fighting. He was usually with them like Nehemiah in the trenches and among them. But he backed off. When he had Jonathan, he was fine. When Elijah was depressed and and running from a murderous queen, God sent Elisha to encourage him. Men and ladies, Do you have that person in your life, that prayer partner, that one that no matter what happens, you see, they're they're going to be there and they're going to they're going to ask you the tough questions. Listen. This discouragement that we experience, it's not something that just will go away. We can't wait till we feel better. Okay. I'll close with this. David said something that has impressed me. And I remember all the time when I'm faced with difficulty, when I'm messed up emotionally and I I don't feel like going to church. Yes, there's times where I don't feel like going to church. There's times where I feel like a sermon machine. Okay, Another sermon. Come on, pastor. Another sermon. Come on, pastor. There's times where I, don't go, where I go, you know what? I don't want to go today. I don't feel like going. I'm reminded of what David said when he wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in thee, Lord. And the humble will hear of it and be glad. You see, here's what David does. He says, I have feelings, and here's how I feel. But I'm telling you, here's what I'm going to do. You may feel down. I can't command you. Okay, come on, put on a happy face. You know, don't worry. Be happy. Well... That's a happy face, but that doesn't take care of the problem. The face is fixed, but the heart is broken. David says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I don't feel like praising the Lord. I don't feel like rejoicing, but I will bless the Lord. I will begin to sing praises and bless. God's name, I will begin to submit, or continue rather to submit to his will, regardless of what I feel and what's going on. I will bless the Lord and be a blessing, you see, to others. I will bless the Lord. How often? At all times. You see, that doesn't just happen. That is a choice. Just like discouragement, it's a choice. You can sit there like Elijah and have a pity party, or you can get up. God comes to Elijah eventually and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? You were called to be a prophet and you're having a pity party. No wonder you're bummed out. Get busy. I don't feel like it. Oh, that's fine. You don't have to. When's the last time your kids you know, felt like doing homework? Mom, I don't feel like doing my homework. That's fine. I don't feel like taking out the trash. That's all fine too. You are not required at all to do your homework, or I mean to feel like doing your homework. You're not required to feel like taking out the trash. You're not required to feel like mowing the lawn. You're not required to feel like cleaning up your room. All that you need to do is just do it. Set those feelings aside and make a choice and make the right choice. And that is to bless God. To praise God and to boast in what God is doing and going to do in your life. And the discouragement, it will flee. If you sit around and wait for the feeling of discouragement to leave, you may be waiting for a long time and wasting your life. You see, it's time to choose to make the call to the friend, to get, sound the trumpet and, and to get back in to what God is calling you to do. You see, to serve him and to walk in faith and not be a slave to your feelings. These guys got up and they got busy and the work was completed, if you read on, eventually. No, did the enemy stop attacking? No. Man, he has all kinds of ways he attacks. Don't wait for the enemy to stop attacking before you do anything. And no, if you get up today and resolve to get out of here and choose to, to get back at what God has called you to do and be, there is going to be darts of discouragement. that will get, You're not ever going to. Come on, what are you trying to do? You think you're going to change? Listen, God will change it. It's up to me just to simply obey. Day by day, moment by moment. And you will, you will build a testimony that brings God honor and glory. And isn't that what we were created for? To worship Him and to live for Him and to love Him in a way that glorifies and honors His name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you. For the faithful working of your Holy Spirit to speak to us today and Lord, I pray for each person in here. Lord, you love us and we're thankful for your love. So thankful for your grace, Lord. For the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. We are thankful, Lord, when we are convicted. And you show us and expose to us the wrong attitude, the wrong hearts, the, the pride, the, the selfishness, the, the fa- phoniness that we can get involved in. Lord, uh, God, help us. Help us, Lord, to be real. Be loving at the same time. Uh, be uh, glorifying and honoring to you. But to be real, to have those people in our lives, Lord, that we can just sound the trumpet and there's. Just uh, uh, somebody there, Lord, that's going to come and and be there, Lord, and and to encourage and and to bear those burdens as as your Word calls us to do, and and God to be willing to do so, and and that takes a willingness to die to ourselves, and to think of somebody else before ourselves. But there's nothing more freeing, Lord, than putting others as your Word says to esteem others more than yourself. The world's teaching self-esteem, Lord, but you, we are, are those who have God esteem and we are to esteem others more than ourselves. God, help us to be those kind of people, knowing, Lord, that that you will bring us then out of the discouragement, that you will give us the power as as we make the choice. God, that you will make the change. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that don't know you, Lord. And they're discouraged with their life. And what's going on? Or their hearts are broken and they're hurting. Lord, may they come today to the one alone who can save them. And that is Jesus Christ who died on the cross. That they wouldn't have to carry around the guilt. That they wouldn't have to carry around the shame of their sin. That they wouldn't have to live in bondage and addiction and depression. But Lord, they could come to the one who is the truth. And the one who can set them free. Come to you as Savior, Lord. Draw those that don't know you to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.